Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Well, welcome back to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. It's been a little while since we've released an episode. Uh, We got busy with holiday stuff and then right into winter meeting season, which really hit us hard this year. But we're trying to get back on schedule here bringing back Dr. Aaron Wilson. Of course, our last podcast was with him looking at what winter would bring. So today we want to uh, take a look back on whether his predictions came true and then look forward uh, to what spring is going to bring because we're getting pretty close to planters rolling. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks for joining us again. Oh, thank you. Pleasure's all mine. So if we take a look back to what this winter brought us, you mentioned with the La Nina, if we could get some cold temperatures, we might get some snow, but it really, other than a cold snap there, it stayed pretty warm, it seemed like. Yeah, absolutely. So um, winter didn't bring much winter, obviously, this this year, um, which seems to be kind of the common refrain. At least we're seeing that more often uh, when it comes to cold and snow. Obviously, we had a little bit of cold this this winter. You know, one of the interesting things about the fact that overall winter ran about three to five degrees Fahrenheit warmer than average, uh, if you look back and compare over the last 30 years. Uh, so very warm conditions. We had our fourth warmest January on record. And really, temperature differences compared to average in January were like eight to 12 degrees above average for the month. And so uh, quite warm conditions. Some cities were in the top three or even the warmest January on record going back to the late 1800s. Uh, but, de- you know, despite that, an overall warm December, we had the fastest 12-hour drop in temperature uh, back on the 23rd of December. You know, here uh, in in Columbus, for instance, we went from a 44-degree temperature that afternoon down to minus 7 by the next morning. If my math is right, that's 51 degrees in 12 hours, which uh, we had a lot of cities smash their 12-hour record and pretty close to their 24-hour record. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a pretty big slap in the face when it comes to cold. So especially so, right, that we weren't really acclimated to it. It was pretty pretty warm for most of the month. So yeah, we, uh, you know, with La Nina, you never know. Obviously, with the temperatures, um, we have we have to look to the Arctic as well, as I mentioned on our last podcast. And the Arctic wasn't just just really wasn't favorable for a lot of cold air outbreaks this season. And, and La Nina really kind of maintained its its dominance in terms of an active system, especially after the first of the year. Of course, we can talk about uh, the very fall, the dry fall that we had, and lingering into really much much of December. It wasn't until after the first of the year that we started to uh, see some improvement there. So yeah, overall, I would say uh, for us who, you know, on on this podcast, we absolutely love the snow. We've been a bit disappointed this year. Yeah, we got skunked on snowmobiling once again. So I'm going to have to find a new winter hobby that doesn't involve snow. (laughs) Yeah, and I know I've been hearing, talking to some farmers around the state, just some concern over you know, this is another winter where it just didn't stay cold for an extended period of time. Worried about disease surviving over the winter. You know, will we see insect problems going into spring and summer? And then, I mean, we were talking before, we don't, I don't think I remember the last time we had a good deep freeze to start breaking up compaction. So year over year, we've got a lot of issues that are starting to pile up from not getting these cold winters. 
Yeah, we've had a few days with the near surface soil temperature, so five centimeter, 10 centimeter depth, two or four inches, where we flirted with freezing, especially across the Northeast counties, a little bit in the Northwest as well. But we really haven't had too many days pr pretty much south of what, 30, that where we saw soil temperatures that were, you know, sub freezing across the southern two thirds of the state, maybe a day or two here and there, especially in December when we had. Well, you know, almost two days of sub-zero temperatures, but thawed out pretty quickly right back to 65 degrees in central and southern Ohio on New Year's. So yeah, quite quite an interesting, highly variable winter uh, this year. And like you said, lack of those frozen soils. So I know the warm temperatures have got, I think, a lot of folks getting a little antsy about getting things ready for planting. I know a lot of guys have planters in the shop, and if they don't, they're probably feeling like they should by now. You know, do we see any more winter here coming up in the next few weeks or are our coldest temperatures behind us? Yeah, I mean, climatologically speaking, typically our coldest temperatures on average are, are behind us and things are warming up now and average, you know, normal temperatures are warming as well. But we know what March and April can bring uh, to Ohio. Um, you know, we, we've had some pretty hefty snows March of 2008. Uh, 15 to 20 inches of snow across central and southwest Ohio. Uh, we know that we've had some some cold air as well. I think what the concern, one of the concerns with the very warm winter that we're coming off of, and as we head into spring, is the fact that you know the warm January and then combined with the warm February, just really accelerating those growing degree days. Uh, a lot of things, you know, all the signs of spring really popped out early in February, uh, with you know places having kind of their earliest spring leaf out in some some aspects in the last 40 years over parts of Ohio. And so, um, you know, obviously every year we have to deal with spring freeze conditions almost every year. Um, and what I've noticed in time is that for, for some reason, uh, we, we refer to April freezes as late freeze conditions now. Um, climatologically speaking, you know, freezes into the third week of April is pretty common everywhere in Ohio. Uh, and even through the first week of May in, in parts of Northeast and Northwest Ohio. And so the problem is, is that when we do see these warm conditions earlier in the season, what we refer to as fall springs, where things start breaking dormancy, that sets, sets us up, right, for, for susceptibility and risk of frost injury in March and April. So I think that's something one of the things that I'm thinking about as we head into the spring season now, that's one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on, you know, the potential damage to some things uh, because of those really warm conditions this winter. Yeah, I know with the, the weather we've been having, I have to keep reminding myself that it's not the end of March. It feels like it's a lot later in the winter than it actually is. Yeah, it has me really messed up too. It's weird. So temperature, though, is just one part of the equation of things that we're keeping an eye on. It seems like it's been really wet here lately, but with as much drought as we had in the fall, it doesn't seem like you get a little bit down and it's still kind of dry in our soils. What do you see here for rainfall over the next few weeks and for recharge and then, I mean, even moving into planting? Yeah, so thinking about that, you know, coming off some areas in Western Ohio, I think we mentioned this on our podcast in the fall, you know, the kind of the driest fall in some of those areas since 1966 and 64. And, um, you know, particularly around the Mercer, Dark, Preble County area was was really dry, probably basically the driest spot in the state. And so 
uh, as we kind of predicted or talked about with La Nina conditions, typically it brings a very active storm system, especially after the first of the year. We did see a switch after December to more frequent systems and, and rainfall, mostly rainfall, a little bit of snowfall, but mostly rain, uh, which really helped saturate a lot of areas of Ohio. Uh, as we got to the end of January and into February, there were some places that are already asking for some mercy, right? Um, you know, I had a, a farmer back in February call me and, and beg me like, uh, you know, he's he lived most of his life in Kansas and dealing with drought. He's been here for the last seven years. And he's like, I'm just trying to reestablish my pastures. Can you help me out at all? Right. It's just so wet across South Central Ohio back in, in late winter. Um with all of the additional rainfall, it really has just been relatively close to normal for January and February. We didn't see too much excess except for portions of South Central Ohio. So we generally did see an improvement. I think some soil recharge uh, taking place out there, especially with temperatures that allowed for infiltration and there wasn't a lot of you know, hard freeze, just letting that water run off. It was able to kind of infiltrate and soak in. Um, we, we, you know, really continue to, to monitor dryness in that dark county, Preble County area uh, all the way up to now. We still have uh, some ways to go, some soil capacity uh, for water um, that can really take on some more, which we do expect, uh, as we'll get to in a second with the outlook to, for conditions to remain wet. But overall, I think we're still, you know, recovering in some areas. Uh, especially at the deeper levels. We did finally see toward the end of January some response in that 20 centimeter to 40 centimeter depth in terms of soil moisture finally, but uh, we could still see, you know, some some uh, water uh, down there as well. So yeah, I would say this winter did lead to some improvement on the hydrology side from the you know, from the fall. And we've got some capacity still to take on additional water, depending on what that, how that forecast plays out now over the next couple months. It feels like it's been raining a lot, but I've been surprised by how much, you know, with the wind, how quickly that top dries out and you guys have been able to get out and get some tillage and other field work done. Hey, that's a great point. You know, uh, it has been tremendously windy with the extreme variability um, and, you know, we're state climatologists around the region, we're having a lot of conversations about wind climatology and comparisons to average. It's, it's, it's kind of a common refrain. And you're right, you know, when we get temperatures in February up into low 70s with winds gusting to 40, 45 miles per hour, uh, you're evaporating pretty efficiently, right? And, and so that's also part of it. You get early plant development, guess what, they're starting to soak in some of that water too. So, uh, if anything, as we progress and we get into the outlook, remember all of these things when I actually talk about what the forecast looks like. We've got some things at play that can maybe help us mitigate some of the conditions that we're likely to see, I think, over the next couple months. Speaking of the outlook, our little groundhog said that we were going to have six more weeks of winter, but it doesn't sound like that and it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, certainly. You know, that was uh, several weeks ago that he, he popped out pretty much getting into the end of his forecast, right? Uh, coming up now. Yeah, uh, both Punxsutawney Phil and Buckeye Chuck here in, in Ohio, six more weeks of winter. You know, I always keep in mind, you know, as a meteorologist, you know, we get teased a lot about forecasts being wrong. And, you know, I said, well, you know, how can you be 50% right? Well, at least I'm 50% right. Punxsutawney Phil is only about 40% accurate. So at least I'm better than the groundhog. And, and so I kind of try to try to remind folks that. But yeah, so nice we- job, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. So we don't, 
um, you know, obviously it's always fun and we've done, you know, our podcast on, on, uh, the wives tales and things like that when it comes to, um, to weather and weather folklore, but, uh, yeah, so certainly, um, you know, as we, we think about it, I think, uh, just didn't really play out, you know, in terms of any, any deep cold, a couple of really short cold snaps, a little light snow here and there, but, um, snowfall really running about 25% of normal this winter across the entire state. So Jim Null did an article for the corn newsletter a few weeks ago that talked about uh, La Nina is ending. So what does that mean for us as we look forward into yeah. spring? Yeah, so we're in this transition. And, and so we always try to take a moment to talk about what it is, right? La Nina is cooler than normal sea surface temperatures. The tropical Pacific tends to be very highly variable temperatures here in Ohio and usually a wetter scenario. Uh, so as we start to transition out of that, um, you know, we are also transitioning in a season where either El Nino or La Nina don't have as great of an impact on our weather pattern. Um, certainly that's the case as we head into summer, but we're in this transition period. So I, I think this transition is, is going to give us a little bit more uncertainty maybe uh, in what, what the conditions are like likely to be. Although um, I still think for the next four to eight weeks, we're really riding on the coattails of the La Nina conditions, right? So it's, these aren't like switches on and off, but it's more like, what is the forecast likely to be given that these conditions are in, in place? But as we transition toward ENSO neutral, we've got early models uh, or mo early model predictions now that as we head toward late summer into fall and next winter, we could be looking at El Nino conditions. Um, do yourself a favor and, and maybe look up Chris Farley's I Am El Nino on YouTube and if you're bored. Um, and so we can remember what that means. That's just warmer than average sea surface temperatures. Typically that brings a drier Ohio Valley in the fall uh, and typically warmer than average also. So that's for next winter. We'll bemoan a lack of snow maybe next winter again as well. But as we think about this transition, I think what it, the big question is, how fast will we transition between a wet active pattern and one that's more typical of late spring and early summer? That's really, think I think, the main question at play here. Uh, and um, I think that there's some, basically, we have a higher confidence in a wet start, less so as we head into summer, although right now, as we'll talk about, um, those are kind of what we're looking forward to. So, All right, Erin, you've been teasing us, um, but now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. What is your spring outlook as we're going into planting season? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I've, I've sort of let it out. I've been teasing. It, it does look pretty wet, especially for the next four to eight weeks. Uh, throughout the month of March, I think it looks particularly wet and probably into April. And again, we'll have to watch as we transition into May and June, uh, as we always do, right? Um, but but certainly the outlook looks looks pretty active now through the month of March. Um, and then as we head into later in the season, eventually that capacity I talked about in the soils is going to start to fill up a little bit. We're not going to have as much capacity to take on extra water. Uh, if we've got growing crops or some things that are taking it in, that, that could be good. We do think overall conditions are likely to be warmer than average or at least near average to warmer than average for the month of March and April. Again, trying to keep an eye on those cold snaps and when they happen, I think any cold snaps gonna have maybe more potential damage this year just because of the early start. Uh, as we start to head into uh, you know March, April, May overall, uh, the, the, the forecast looks wet, wetter than average. 
Uh, and that average really being the last 30 years, right, which is already a pretty wet period. Eight of the top 10 wettest years in Ohio have all occurred since 1990. And so we're probably going to be in that, that upper portion of that average uh, for wetter conditions. Uh, the longer term conditions for this summer do look warmer than average. A lot of times in summer, what do we talk about? Uh, not extreme daytime highs per se. We could have a few, uh, but getting into um, you know warmer overnight lows, June, July, and August, I think likely a scenario. And right now, if you look at the Climate Prediction Center, they're really calling for above average precipitation June, July, and August this summer as well. Again, I have a little bit I want to, I'm a little bit more cautious, I think, when it comes to the summertime. Again, we don't have strong impacts from Enso Neutral or El Nino in, in summer. But again, depending on how much we fill the soil, I think we're we're have to really watch how rapidly we can dry out this year, maybe more so than, than the last several years. You know, following very wet years of 2017, 2018, 2019, uh, the dryness last year has probably cut a little bit of that soil water, right, in the deeper levels now. And so we're not going to have as much of a leeway, maybe. So we'll have to watch, you know, as we get into June and July. So wet and probably near to warmer than average conditions for the foreseeable future. I guess we'll come back late spring and we'll talk about the summer outlook as well. So if we can get planted, it sounds like we should have a fairly decent growing season if we can catch rains throughout it. That's what it sounds like. You know, we, we've said it before, you know, uh, be ready to roll, be ready to take advantage mm -hmm. of those windows. Planting is in May is, is okay. Right. Um, I know a lot of us don't want to wait much toward the end of May or first of June for sure. Uh, but that this forecast is not guaranteeing that there's a lot, a lot of things to think about and above average. Remember above average doesn't mean 2019 for those folks in <laughs> Northwest Ohio, right? It just means above average. And so, uh, just to keep that in, in mind, just be ready to roll. The warmer conditions, hopefully you've already kind of got a jump start on maybe some equipment and, and things like that that you needed to get ready. And we'll just take advantage of those windows and, and, and not sit back and just expect them to happen the following week. Yeah, and as Elizabeth mentioned, the wind along with the warm temps, hopefully we won't be in such a saturated situation to begin with. So we'll have right. some wider windows. Yeah, and if the last few years have taught us anything, you know. We're getting really good at hitting those tight planting windows. And even if we're on the late side, you know, that yield potential is not gone just because we're not planting until the first week of June. And especially if we're going to see warmer than average temps and good rain through the summer, that sounds to me like a good opportunity for success, even with later planting dates. So don't get stressed out until July, maybe. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So we have to ask about weather balloons. Is there <laughs> a lot of concern in the climate world about losing losing access to those what's going on there yeah it's a pretty interesting story right and, and of course it's where foreign and domestic policy kind of overlap even with research or ongoing weather operations and weather balloons are a key weather observing platform for the country for the world uh 750,000 something in that range of stations around the country uh, around the world that release balloons twice a day sometimes four day four times a day. That's just for an operational sense. To get a great profile of the atmosphere really helps with forecasting um, our, our weather. And so that's a great platform. Typical National Weather Service balloons, they, you know, they're in the atmosphere about 90 minutes. Um, you know, they 
they eventually pop the radius on the instrument itself falls to the surface and if you ever find one the postage is paid in full you just send it to the post office and it gets back to the national weather service centers um, researchers do use some high altitude weather balloons you know like some of the reports that we've seen and heard about being shot down over parts of the United States and Canada and other places in North America. So, you know, there's been a little bit of concern, I think, from, from a research side of, you know, whether that balloon is going to remain or last up there. But, um, you know, I, I'm getting a lot of questions on weather balloons uh, lately, uh, certainly given all, all, all that talk in the news. But, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit funny, right? A little bit serious, a little bit funny, obviously, but, but um, hopefully not too many of the true research balloons are getting shot down out there. We we need that research and we need that operational data for our forecasts. That's interesting. I knew that you all use them, but I had no idea to the extent and the different types. So we want to wrap up. You've got some um, opportunities for folks to interact with you further and learn more about weather and agriculture. Do you want to talk a little bit about your webinar series and where they can find that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Weather Extremes Committee with the Agronomics Crops team here, we, we've been putting on a, a monthly webinar, uh, one in January, one in February, and one coming up here on the 16th of March. Um, basically thinking about climate impacts or climate and whatever topic. So January, we talked about disease management. Uh, in February, we talked about farm and farm financial and management and some strategies there. Uh, and this month, we're going to be talking about uh, pests and its relationship to weather and climate as well. So I uh, look forward to that. I think you can find some links. I think uh, go.osu.edu forward slash uh, weather extremes 23. WX extremes 23 will get you to the registration for the upcoming webinar in March. Uh, we also have our our YouTube channel with the agronomics crops team um, that hopefully you, you can find that pretty easily with YouTube or follow the links uh, that'll get you to the recordings for those webinars as we obviously as a team like to put those up there. So uh, that's good to look out for. Um, be looking out for a save the date as well. We are going to be returning with our climate smart agriculture conference coming up this summer uh, in uh the third week of July. Um, again, look for the save the date that should be coming out relatively soon. Uh, again, to just talk about uh, Climate Smart being climate informed agriculture, you know, a lot of what we do, we've already been adapting, uh, just climate making it that much more important. And uh, so we'll be getting into some 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 topics there. So really just, just look for that save the date. Well, as always, Aaron, thanks so much. We value your input and how it can guide us as we move forward this spring. So we'll look forward to following up with you in a couple months. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, if I can put one last plug at the State Climatology, State Climate Office website, climate.osu.edu. Uh, we provide our monthly and quarterly summaries, but now you can sign up uh, and receive those via email as soon as we release those. Uh, so sign up. Basically, it's just so so you get a copy every month or every quarter of what we're talking about on these podcasts, you know, just a quarterly update. So look for that as well. And as always, appreciate the time and love being on your show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.